Good morning, everyone. Are you content? Let me give you a little bit of a preamble to that. I've uh, been spending a little bit of time talking with Joan. We were talking about contentment. And um, just for information's sake, uh, if you're in the 60th year of your life or somewhere in that neighborhood, you've experienced a little over 20,000 days on this world. How many of those days have you been content? How many of those days have you been focused? How many of those days have you put the Lord first? Are you pleased with the majority of those days that you've spent? Let's just think about that as we focus on what we're going to talk about today. And I believe that that has something to do with the sermon I'm going to talk about as well. Slide one, Joe. I want to thank the musicians uh, for the wonderful music. And we take that for granted so often each week. But the music leads up to what the speaker talks about and very much ties in. And so if you were watching the words of the songs that were going by, you'll have a glimpse of what we're going to be talking about this morning. I hope you're encouraged by what you've heard in John's Gospel up to date. Today I'm going to be continuing on the passage in John chapter 3, verses 1 to 21. That's where Jesus speaks to Nicodemus. The theme will be reality, remedy, behold the Lamb of God. Okay. As I look back on the first two chapters, the theme should be behold the Lamb of God. There's no doubt about it in my mind. You see, the reality of our situation is that we've separated ourselves from something that should be paramount in our lives. And yet, as humans, we've turned the other way. That something is the giver of the life that we enjoy. That something is the Lamb of God. That something is what makes us content, that gives us that contentment. It speaks of unlimited power to create all things, to be life and to be the giver of life, to be the light of men where darkness previously existed. That something is the Lamb of God. We are told that a man was sent from God to bear witness in the light that all through him might believe. This is something that was foretold many times in the past and has now come true. Behold the Lamb of God. It says that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Even his own did not receive him. We need that Lamb of God. It points out to us that there is life of flesh and life of spirit. It shows us also that there is a law of the world, the Mosaic law, the law that Nicodemus followed, and many before him. And there is the grace of God that comes only through the Lamb of God. We are told that the only remedy to our ailments, our darkness, our separation, is the Lamb of God. And yet as human beings, we do everything we can to turn away from Him. But of course I couldn't talk about chapter 3 without talking about probably the most familiar verse in the Bible, and that's John 3.16. Because John 3.16 is part of the remedy. Behold the Lamb of God who brings light to those in the dark, not only life, but life eternal. He saves us. On the screen you'll see a current day translation of that passage, which is perhaps the best known passage in the Bible, as I said. 
Is that anything like your translation? Does it make you think a little bit? Would you say it was written by someone who was in the light or someone who was in the dark? As a man or a woman, we have a unique ability to twist things around until they suit our purposes. And this is one such example. We need the Lamb of God. Joel, next slide. This slide shows a number of images that invoke uneasiness, anger, defiance, and perhaps simple unbelief in reference to John 3.16. For some of us, we think it's blasphemy. We look at the picture on the lower right-hand corner, and we see someone who has taken 3.16 and put it to his own use. It doesn't say John 3.16, it says Austin 3.16. That man has made millions of dollars and is very famous because he has taken something that is the Lord's and defamed it. The person on the top left-hand corner is a famous football player who is famous and wealthy beyond his means and he is only an average football player if you asked people to evaluate him. But it is because he has professed a faith in Jesus Christ as evidenced by the 316 under his eyes. He is wealthy beyond compare. And so now he spends his days in Hollywood with Hollywood starlets. He spends his days doing those types of things. Is he focused on the Lord? I don't know. But you know, Satan loves to see us twist things around. And that's exactly what we've done here. We rarely use it for the purposes that it was meant to be used for. And I'm sure that the Lord is not happy about it. We need the Lamb of God. And this simple illustration indicates the state of man that Jesus was speaking with when he spoke to Nicodemus. Because Nicodemus was a man just like us. He was born of the flesh. He was born in darkness. And some would say that he had come out into the light. He was certainly a person of high stature. But this is the situation that Christ came into. Now keep in mind that Nicodemus had received news about John the Baptist, how he had denied being the Messiah, how he had repeatedly proclaimed the Messiah to be in their presence. And in chapter 1, verse 29, it says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, how he had testified that Jesus is the Son of God, and how he had warned them that there was one among them that they did not know. This is a direct reference to being in the darkness. Next slide, Joe. And so we come to our passage in John 3. It's about many, many things, as is the total Bible. You could talk about darkness versus light, superficial versus everlasting. But they all need a remedy. They all need the Lamb of God. The passage begins really with the need for a reality check. And you can see that there's one ahead for those people that are traveling this road. And I would suggest for each and every one of us, every day should be a reality check. Because you have to focus on where you are. And hopefully you are focused on the Lord. And if you are, you will be content. And if you're not, you're going to be off the path in the ditch. The passage begins with the need for a reality check and Nicodemus is going to get it. Nicodemus 
was Jerusalem's most outstanding Bible teacher and a member of the Jewish ruling council. Only the high priest had gained more recognition in the capital city than Nicodemus. He was pretty powerful. He was at a high level. He was a teacher. Keep that in mind. He was a teacher. He had the power to send these people out and see things about John the Baptist and others. Try and find out what this movement that Jesus had started was all about. Anything that he wanted to do, he could get done. Yet despite all of his learning and all of his privileges, he did not know God. Oh yes, he knew about God, but he didn't know God. This becomes increasingly apparent as Jesus talks to him. Nicodemus is in the darkness, like us and so many others. Let's read verses 1 to 10 just to get started. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher, come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered back and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Think about it. Next slide, John. Behold the Lamb of God. Now the story unfolds with Jesus telling Nicodemus, that those outside the kingdom of God cannot understand the things concerning the kingdom. And Nicodemus' response is, I can't understand what you're saying. It makes no sense to me. I don't understand. His inability to grasp what Jesus was seeing was indicative of his fallen heart, his sin nature. He couldn't see past the couple of little shrubs in front of him to see the forest behind him. He couldn't see the solution to his problem. In fact, maybe he didn't even realize he had a problem. He probably thought he was doing things right. After all, he was pretty much at the top level of his, of his profession. Very few people challenged Nicodemus. And here in this conversation between two people, Nicodemus, probably one of the foremost, if not the foremost teacher in this particular area, is being schooled by Jesus. Think about that. The story unfolds, as as I said, talking about the kingdom of God and why people can't understand or can't know about it. And Nicodemus' response is, I can't understand what you're saying. He's about to get a reality check, and a reality check very soon. Spiritual things are not grasped because of superior intelligence, and Nicodemus proves that. He's evidence to that. It is said in 1 Corinthians 2.14, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, 
and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Until we come to understand the gravity of our situation, of our plight, by the nature that we are outside the kingdom and unable to grasp or make progress towards remedying that problem, nothing will change. We need the Lamb of God. We can't escape it. Although Nicodemus is a teacher, as I said before, he's speaking with a teacher. And although is in this world, he would be considered the highest authority, he gets schooled by Jesus. There is an obvious difference in ability and knowledge. And behold, and he, the Lamb of God. Next slide, Joe. After all the information that Nicodemus has been given, he still doesn't appreciate what he's dealing with or who he's dealing with. He shows a lack of understanding and really a lack of faith when you think about it. He constantly asks, why? I don't understand. Tell me more. Explain that to me. And if he truly believed, his faith would tell him that with God things, all things are possible. With God all things are possible. And yet he doesn't believe that. He's heard all the stories already about how the Messiah has come, how John the Baptist was not the Messiah, how John the Baptist had witnessed that, behold, this is the Lamb of God. So Jesus schooled Nicodemus on the importance and the difference of being born in the flesh and being born of the Spirit. By not receiving that second birth, Nicodemus would not see the kingdom of God. We need the Lamb of God. Next slide, John. So I'm going to bring us back to the very first five verses of chapter 1. Okay. Now we've read them before, and they really are an establishment of how the Lord came to us, who our Creator is, why we here, why we exist. It outlines exactly how Nicodemus fell short, how he is still in the darkness, and yet in the presence of the Lamb of God, he has a remedy. Think about that. He's right there talking to his remedy. The cure for his ailment is standing right in front of him and he doesn't even realize it. But there's another cold hard truth to this that Nicodemus hasn't grasped. The remedy is outside of his control. Up until now, in his life, he's been in control of all things. He was the one that issues orders. Go and see what John the Baptist is up to. Go and find out who this Jesus is. What is this movement all about? He's the one that dictated the orders. He's the one that implemented the laws. And all of a sudden, it's not up to him. It's not in his control. It's in the control of the Lamb of God. That's a little bit humbling, isn't it? Even for us who have supposedly submitted ourselves to the Lord. There are times when we don't do it very well. There are times when we do it only when it seems appropriate or only when it seems convenient. But if we're challenged to do something, knowing full well that that's what the Lord wants us to do, but it really, you know, it really impacts on our, on our wealth, on our position, on our time. Maybe we don't do it because we're committed to do something else or we're really hoping to watch that football game or we're really hoping to go to the bush. We're really hoping to go to camp. So we turn it aside. Is that what the Lord wanted? Is that what the Lord needed from you? 
Having said that, Nicodemus was in a position of power. Was he willing to give it up? Was he willing to acknowledge that somebody was above him? No payment, no level of intelligence, no awareness of the laws of Moses would get him the remedy he needed. All the work, all the political games, all the influence, all the power that he had attained were of no value in this reality check. He needed the Lamb of God. Joe? He speaks to Nicodemus of the earthly things, things that he questions, and yet the heavenly things are a mystery to him and will not be revealed by any earthly presence. Only the one who ascended to heaven knows these things. Of course, we know 3.16 very, very well. 3.17 is equally as important because 3.16 and 17 talk about for God, not for Nicodemus did this, or man did that, or our armies did this. It was for God so loved the world that he sent the Lamb of God. God alone, God's power, God's wishes, God's remedies will cure Nicodemus's woes. Verse 16 and 17 also make it clear that the Messiah that is here is not the Messiah that man was seeking. Man was seeking a Messiah who would bring them power. Someone who would kill their enemies, who would make them wealthy, who would put them in a level of power, exalt them above their enemies, do all of those wonderful things. And you would be above other people as Nicodemus was in this particular situation. But that's not what the Lamb of God came to earth for. He came to be a servant. He came to serve. He lowered himself below those people. And there is a difference here. And Nicodemus didn't see it. The only solution to our darkness is the ability of the Lamb of God to transform us and bring us into the light. And until Nicodemus saw that, there would be no progress. And so as we talk through John chapter 3 and 1 and 2 for that matter before it. This is a constant battle for the Lamb of God to make it clear to the world that there is a choice. That we are all in need of a reality check. That none of us are truly content. And none of us are truly focused. If we were, we would be focused on the Lamb of God. That's what the first three chapters talk about. Christ struggles to get that message across because mankind, his own, reject him. We seek the darkness. Next slide, Joe. So here we are back to the Lamb of God. As Jesus ends his talk in verse 19 to 21, in a way, he softens it. And isn't that Jesus' way? He can be very firm, but he can also be very compassionate. You know, if you just take the verses as I gave them to you, you can take things out of context, and you can say, well, you know, Jesus was really chastising Nicodemus. He was really coming down on him, like, don't you know? You're the teacher. You're the leader of Israel. Don't you know these things? Don't you understand? But in 19 and 20 and 21, 
he, he makes it clear that he came not to condemn but to save and that those who do not believe are already condemned and so there's no way to go but up they all are in need of a reality check but there is hope and hope if you believe and that hope is there in the Lamb of God and Jesus tells Nicodemus that keep in mind the change as we close on this particular passage this is Nicodemus who was the leader of the Jews who was in a position of authority and power and influence over almost everybody all of a sudden Jesus has shown him the error of his ways he has been lowered below those people he needs to understand that God needs to be elevated he needs to be lowered and so when you think about it a little bit later on Nicodemus is involved in the burial of Christ if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken he, he provides spices for Jesus' body so he turns away from concerning himself with influence and power he doesn't make a big spectacle of it he understands that his chance has been given to him that this man who is buried behind that tomb is indeed the Lamb of God and we need to take heed of that so when I said at the first are you content are you happy are you pleased with the way that you're dealing with your life is there a focus there are so many things that we could have talked about in this chapter but I truly believe that the focus needs to be on the Lamb of God because if you are focused on the Lamb of God if you put him first if you surrender yourself to him as Lucy is doing as Nick is doing as many of us have done before you will receive contentment and reward and joy beyond compare so far above and beyond your neighbors your friends your relatives who have chosen not to know the Lord so I simply encourage you behold the Lamb of God as the music continues let's just close in prayer Father God we just thank you for this time together we thank you for your presence here in this place for the lamb that is also the lion and he died there upon that cross and he is coming again and Lord we say, we say with the Apostle John even so come Lord Jesus Lord we pray that you may bless each one as we go from this place we thank you for the bring and share luncheon that we can enjoy together we thank you for this time of fellowship that we can have but most importantly we thank you that you have promised to give us eternal life that Nicodemus is just an example of who we are in our religious self and we thank you Lord that religion doesn't cut it that indeed it is only the Lord Jesus it is only calling upon him in that desperate plea Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We thank you this morning, Lord. There, there's one here that is desperately calling that indeed you can answer and answer in a mighty fashion. We thank you that you've been saving people for over 2,000 years. You know how it's done. And you know how to bring a person to the cross. And so, Lord, help us. We who know you as we leave this place, help us to live in the basis of the cross of Jesus that we will take up our cross and follow you. And we give you thanks.
bless us as we separate in Jesus' name.